Good evening, everyone from whatever part of the world you're listening into. Welcome to another episode of DYR Podcast Show. So this evening I'm joined by Ibra from yeah, he'll introduce himself. He's he's a blockchain enthusiast, and uh, today we just wanna talk about uh, consensus mechanism. So yes, please introduce yourself to to the listeners, and then we start this uh, conversation going. Hi guys, uh, my name is uh, Ibrahim Aziz. Uh, I am uh, an, uh, a blockchain enthusiast, as uh, Frank has just said. Uh, more, more to that, I'm a blockchain expert and uh, the founder of uh, the Aquapage project, which is a regenerative finance project, which aims to incentivize people to take action against ocean pollution. So what this project does is uh, we are building a platform where people can uh, can take photos, real-time photos of uh, of pollution on the beach, let's say plastic, you've gone to the beach and seen some plastic or any kind of uh, pollutants, you take a photo through the platform and you get rewarded for it. On our end, what we get is the data of uh, the polluted areas around the world. So we create a good uh, mapping of that and uh, we provide this data to, 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 the, to the beneficiaries, let's say the NGOs, the governments and all that. And uh, on our own side, we host cleanups, which we also incentivize the people who participate in them. So that's a brief uh, introduction of me, I think. Well, uh, that's um, an amazing work. Uh, just a fun fact, uh, I'm an environmentalist, so uh, big up for whatever you're doing to, to, to our only home. Uh, and it's amazing you're, you're kind of employing blockchain to 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 do this refi yeah so i guess we'll talk about uh, refi one of these fine days and uh, uh, i myself am still finding out more about refi and uh, i think since you have a running project you will be the perfect person to come and share with us however Today we, we, are, we want to get a little bit techy and we want to discuss about a consensus mechanism. Uh, just a brief, uh, a brief snapshot of what a consensus mechanism is. It's just a protocol that uh, brings all nodes of a distributed blockchain network into agreement on a single data set. Yeah, and today um, Ibra will try to demystify all these as we talk about all all these uh, amazing tech stuffs in the blockchain ecosystem. So I guess this episode will be pretty amazing for, for the devs out there and uh, even people who are looking forward to understand to go deeply into understanding what blockchain is about. Yeah, so Ibra, what is the consensus mechanism in a, in a simple way, according to you? Oh, one is Kiasa, is it? 
Okay, so I was talking about ama nianze tu kama ambao nimekusikia sasa hivi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I'll give a, I'll give an analogy about uh, the Byzantine generals problem. So this is uh, a game theory that uh, basically explains uh, consensus mechanisms. So what happens in the Byzantine game pro- uh, general problem is that uh, we have uh, four generals that are trying to attack the city. The thing is for them to actually be successful they have to attack the city at the same time in such a way that if any of them uh, doesn't do it at the same time or if there is a bad actor between them that actually retreats instead of attacking the Byzantines will lose so this is how a consensus consensus mechanism works they, they try and uh, solve uh, a transaction all nodes of a blockchain try and solve the uh, the transaction together for it to go to go across so with the with the consensus mechanisms we have uh, room for for a little bit of error so most of them usually employ at least uh, two over three of the nodes to to be good actors and uh, to actually validate a transaction and that is enough okay so just from a from a layman's perspective what what we are understanding here is that um, consensus mechanism is just a way of uh, let me say people agreeing to do something and then they have to do it all at once in the context of the Byzantine theory is it, yes exactly is it right is my way of understanding right exactly that's uh, that's uh a very good simplification of it. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, w- what's the brief uh, relationship between this, this analogy to now the consensus mechanism? So uh, as you know, uh, the blockchain technology is a distributed ledger technology. So yeah. what this means is that uh, we have a, a ledger that is uh, stored in more than one device in this uh, in this uh, specific uh, instance we call them nodes so for uh, for a specific data set to be validated we actually need the nodes to be in agreement about that particular data set that's where the consensus mechanism come in and that's where you see the 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 byzantine uh, generals problem coming in as well so uh, compared to the Byzantine generals, we have the nodes, and we have to have all the nodes in agreement, or at least most of them, in some cases, uh, in agreement for uh, for a transaction or that for the data to be validated. Amazing. So it's like the nodes uh, in this case are just uh, machines, like computers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they have to agree to whatever has been done so that the transaction can be validated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I reckon there's so many types of consensus mechanisms that exist in, in the blockchain ecosystem. And uh, um, maybe the most known ones that I can also add is 
the proof of work consensus mechanism just from uh, its definition how it sounds um it just sounds putting in raw energy and being the faster one to solve a certain type of mathematical problem or other equation to prove that you you are faster and then now you have to kind of broadcast or rather report to the solution to the rest of the nodes so that they can agree with you that is the proof of work uh, mechanism and uh, i guess it's the most it's the one that bitcoin the bitcoin technology uses the most proof of work yes so on uh, on proof of work mm -hmm. uh, usually when a transaction is uh, started let's say started uh, a nonce is uh, is generated a nonce is a random number that uh, all the nodes inside the blockchain network have to uh, use their processing power to try and find that node it's a random node so it, the computer just uh, tries and generates random numbers until they get the actual number so this is a process that usually requires a lot of processing power because uh, the nodes can uh, i mean you might have to to go through like uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, iterations before you actually get the correct nonce mm -hmm. and uh, so that is why we say that proof of work has a huge uh, energy consumption because you need a lot of processing power to actually solve the mathematic uh, puzzle and especially uh, this gets uh, even more uh, energy consuming as the network grows let's say like the bitcoin network right now the network is very large we have so many nodes in the bitcoin network that uh, uh, it takes you a long time or let's say not a long time but a lot of processing power to actually get the nodes wow so so this is why uh, bitcoin kind of gets expensive sometimes the network fees. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, even to, to, to use it, um, the proof of work. And then this one now leads to the other consensus mechanism that I'm coming to. You remember a few, it's almost a year now when there was too much noise about it moving from POW to POS, now the proof of stake. So this is another major consensus mechanism. Uh, now in POS, uh, people just provide their funds, or other pools, pool their money, and hope to get selected randomly to add transactions to the blockchain. So, uh, on proof of stake, uh -huh. uh, validators are chosen uh, based on the amount of cryptocurrency they stake. Uh, staking is a concept in uh, decentralized finance where it acts like uh, savings on a bank. I mean, yeah. you put money into a smart contract in a DeFi, in the DeFi case, and uh, you would uh, be uh, receiving yield. So maybe you'd be receiving 5% yield or 10% yield, something like that. So for proof of stake, uh, 
yes you get chosen uh, randomly based on uh, the amount but then there's also the advantage of uh, being uh, the larger stakeholder in the in the network you have a higher chance as a uh, as a staker with a larger amount than the stakers with less amounts mm, so uh, what do you think pos is 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 a bit efficient than pow Definitely, it's uh, much more efficient because now you switch from using uh, processing power and now you use your pocket's power. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so you move from yeah. energy intensive to pocket intensive. Exactly. So, uh, well, at least you get to save the, I wouldn't really say save the environment, but save some energy. I mean, when you think about it, uh, yeah. there was a time that... Uh, crypto uh, started crashing because uh, I think it was Elon Musk who said that uh, it was uh, it was very dangerous to the environment and uh, he was right because uh, we had people in China who had warehouses of GPUs mining Bitcoin mm -hmm. and actually uh, using that processing power. We know that these devices generate a lot of heat, they generate a lot of uh, fumes so uh, at some point it had to be regulated because it was also uh, dangerous to the environment as well. Yeah, and um, there's a crypto event that I attended for, I guess, Bitcoin miners. And uh, there is also kind of a, a positive side into into the amount of heat generated. So in that in that in that meetup, the guy was saying how much you can put that heat into use like he was saying uh, i may not really describe it correctly but he was saying the heat being generated can be used to power up things like water heating in the homes where uh, they built something that i think ran over the machines to cool them so because they're generating so much heat this one now generated uh, kind of warmed up the the water that they were using again uh, some were saying instead of using electricity they kind of built their own uh, hdp hydroelectric power to power to power these machines and then after powering the machines uh, whenever they got heat heated they were cooling them again with the waters and the hot water was being recycled maybe in the, ho in the homes and uh, yeah, so people are getting creative out here in as much as it's energy intensive. Uh, I think the energy can be harnessed to, to, to do some other domestic chores. But anyway, that's not the topic for today. But also when you look at it, I mean, uh, it's still part of the topic. So mm -hmm. one thing that uh, you would see as uh, especially to one of the reasons why Ethereum moved from proof of uh, work to proof of stake. When you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin has a limited number. So there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoins ever existing in this world. Yeah. That is what is being mined. When it comes to Ethereum, Ethereum doesn't work that way. Ethereum's uh, market cap always increases because uh, every time people mine it, it adds to what is already there. So Ethereum's market cap is not capped 
to uh, a specific number. To a and, number. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So if they continued using uh, proof of work, they would have reached a point where they would have scalability issues. That's why they had to switch to proof of stake. So how 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 is switching from POW to POS solving this issue of of more it being produced to the circulation? Hardware and energy costs. That's all that it comes down to. Okay, so I'm not getting this part where so how does POS ensure you see how bitcoin is is finite so how does pos kind of uh solves or rather not solve but how how are more it being produced because i remember it is inflationary so how is it that uh, pos ensures this goes on so uh it's not really about ensuring it goes on rather uh the more you mine, like let's say uh, mining Bitcoin right now and mining Bitcoin 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you need significantly more powerful hardware and you need significantly more uh, energy to actually, to actually mine a Bitcoin right now compared to 10 years ago. Now uh, we are at the final, uh, I think, uh, uh, 3 million Bitcoin, about that area. I remember the last halving was uh, a year or two ago, and uh, we were at around 19 or 18 million uh, Bitcoin mined. I don't, I don't know the exact number, but uh, if you look at it like that, I mean, we are very close to the end. It might be many years still, but we are very close to the end. But then with the Ethereum, we are not close to the end because uh, it's not capped. There's no uh, finite number. So the more uh, POW goes on on, uh, on Ethereum, the more people will have to have more powerful hardware, which is a cost, and even use more energy, which is another cost, which means that it's going to be less feasible for many people to actually mine uh, Ethereum in the coming years. So proof of stake makes much more sense for Ethereum than proof of work. Yeah, and, and fun fact, uh, we, are, we are not near finishing mining, at least not in our generation, unless one of us lives up to 2140. So that's when the last Bitcoin will be ever mined, <laughs> unless someone comes with some alien technology. But yeah, so Bitcoin, the last coin will be mined at in 2140, maybe when we are in our second lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i when i said uh when i said we are close to the end i meant in terms of uh, just to clarify i meant in terms of the number of bitcoins yeah. not yeah, the number of the years number. we are very far away in the number of years yeah. <laughs> in terms of number of years we still have like one more than a hundred years, years. <laughs> 400 yeah, yeah. 2140 mark the date <laughs> try to live up to 2140 and you might see the last you might see history so there are other types of uh, consensus mechanisms that are not widely used um I've, i think solana uses 
proof of history then there are so many kinds of do, can you please also talk about some of these other consensus mechanisms so one of the one of the ones that i have come across quite a bit is uh, practical byzantine fault tolerance mm -hmm. this is mostly used in permissioned blockchains and enterprise solutions such as the hyperledger uh, for this uh, mechanism uh, it basically uh, the rule of it is that two thirds need to be uh, proper validators and uh, a maximum of a third can be bad actors. So this means that uh, if two thirds of the mechanisms uh, of the nodes agree, then the transaction goes through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we are three in a room, then two of us are good actors and one of us is a bad actor. The transaction will, will, will still go through. Exactly. So uh, if you if you if you just remember uh, a few minutes ago, we talked about the Byzantine uh, generals problem. Yeah. So now this is a solution to the Byzantine generals problem, or rather, it's a follow up to the Byzantine generals problem. Now this is Byzantine fault tolerance. I mean, we have the generals. We can still win the battle if more than more than two thirds, or at least at least two thirds are good actors and they actually go ahead and attack as planned so that's uh, that's the general idea behind the practical byzantine false tolerance consensus mechanism mm -hmm. so, so with this uh, with this uh, uh, consensus mechanism the the general uh, what would we call it uh, the general uh, idea is that the, the higher number of nodes that are in the blockchain, the more secure this uh, blockchain is going to be. Because if you think about it, if three people in a room, one person uh, makes a third, but then in a hundred people in a room, 33 and, and a quarter of a person make a third. So it's much harder for there to be 33 uh, bad actors, then there is the chance to be one bad actor. Mm -hmm. So that's where the Byzantine fault tolerance comes in. Exactly. So you said it's used in mostly enterprise blockchains. Exactly. Enterprise and permissioned uh, blockchains. Mm -hmm. Mostly because uh, it's not really sustainable in uh, in large uh networks such as the public networks like bitcoin and uh, ethereum it's more uh, of controlled it's more of a controlled kind of consensus mechanism yeah because i think because it has some kind of a loophole it wouldn't be really good in a very large uh, yeah i mean not controlled because of that yeah, default tolerance and, uh, issue there's, uh, there's the, the the challenge that comes to this is that uh, if someone is trying to attack you, one thing that is common is a civil attack. A civil attack is where someone would uh, create fake nodes to confuse the network. So we have a hundred uh, nodes. Someone will create maybe forty fake nodes and confuse the network. So. 
in reality there's only a hundred but then they then the network says 140 or 100 and something and it passes the the third uh the third of the nodes and therefore the transaction either fails or they find a loophole and steal some money or something so there is there like there have been so many hacks in the blockchain space is there an example where this has taken place uh I don't have an example over off the top of my head at this moment, but uh, this is one of a, uh, the common attack, attack on uh, on on PBFT. All right. So it's it's a major. Yeah. If, I mean, if someone can do that, uh, I'll still go for the Byzantine, where there's no chance, there's no room for any kind of of uh, errors. So, just another one that we know is the proof of history. So, proof of history is, I think it's used in the Solana blockchain. So, it's just a historical record that provides the order of events. So, I'll, I'll use an analogy of like a clock that kind of leaves special market every second. So, when the different nodes agrees on that mark, they can agree on the order of events. So that's uh, one proof of history. Then there is also the delegated proof of stake. Do you want to take that one? Okay, so what I know about the, what I know about uh, the delegated proof of stake is that in the proof of stake, the validators themselves are the stakers. In the delegated one, the people who stake, those guys who stake now delegate someone to be the validator. Yeah. Okay, so the, dele the, the, the delegators kind of select the validators. In, yeah, exactly. The, stake, the people who are actually staking their cryptocurrencies, they choose uh, a validator. Instead of it being themselves, they actually delegate that uh, role to someone. So if we are 15, not, basically, yeah. <laughs> like 15 people to represent us. Yeah, something like that. Mm, very nice. There are so many that are, there are so many consensus mechanisms. Um, there's also proof of elapsed time. This one just required requires network participants to prove they have a wait, they have waited a random amount of time before they can add a transaction to the blockchain so the participants can use a trusted execution environment to generate a random waiting period for the node the node then that waits the shortest amount of time earns the right to add the next block to the chain and this mm -hmm. one is also very ideal for large-scale enterprise solutions, such as um, the Intel Hyperledger. And uh, yeah, so this one is a bit complicated, the proof of elapsed time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I, didn't, I don't think I heard of uh, proof of uh, elapsed time yet. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. <laughs> So yeah. the consensus mechanisms are so many. Yeah, we, so many. Like, yeah. Just like you said, the one, the, the, 
the Byzantine tolerant one is uh, just in small enterprise, not small, but it's uh, kind of used in, in enterprises, right? Yeah, permissioned blockchains. Permission you know, the blockchain blockchains are divided into, uh, I'd say, three because we have the public blockchains like Bitcoin, Ethereum. We have the private uh, blockchains, and we have the permissioned blockchains, which are also sort of the building blocks to enterprise solutions. So that's uh, that's why we say. Uh, PBFT is uh, applied in permissioned and not uh, the public ones. Yeah, so even the proof of elapsed time is, is on the permission where it doesn't require so many, like the, the public to to use it because of its complexities. So that's why POS and POW are usually super common because it's, it's straightforward. There's not much complications happening. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe we should look at some of the benefits of of, of uh, these consensus mechanisms to to now Web three and the whole of the just yeah. just 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 before we get to that, I mean, uh, uh, as we've just talked about the three uh, types of blockchains, mm -hmm. we have uh, the private blockchain, which usually uh, utilizes proof of authority. I mean, the a private blockchain. Is is uh, basically a centralized kind of uh, blockchain, which is used, let's say, uh, in the context of a company where you have a CEO. So proof of authority is going to be used, and uh, this is usually used when identity is known. For the other blockchains, identity is not necessary. You just use your private and public keys. For the proof of authority, uh, identity has to be known. So just to add one more to the long list of uh, <laughs> consensus mechanism and to actually complete uh, the list of uh, blockchains and their P and their consensus mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, there's so many. If we start listing them right now, we might stay here the whole evening just discussing uh, these uh, consensus mechanisms. So. I remember before when I read Vitalik's blog now when they were expecting expecting to transition from POW to POS, there was so much hype, just like you said. And now this brings me to the next course of discussion where we'd like to understand some of the benefits of, of these consensus mechanisms. Okay, so uh, for the benefits, I think uh, each consensus mechanism has its own benefits and uh, cons. And con, pros, pros and cons. cons. Uh -huh. So when we start with the first two, we have the proof of work, which is the first uh, uh, consensus mechanism employed by Bitcoin. So with the proof of work, it's proven security. I mean, you're going to have to solve that problem, that uh, mathematical problem to, 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 to be a validator. So it has proven security. Mm -hmm. But then the problem it has, the cons that it has, is that it's very energy intensive. It uses a lot of uh, processing power. When it comes to POS, proof of stake, 
Now this this becomes the advantage becomes that this thing is uh, very energy efficient, but not pocket efficient, <laughs> and uh, it basically uh, encourages people to hold the 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 token for the blockchain. I mean, you're going to have to hold Ethereum for you to be a, a validator, which then uh, also helps with the. Uh, reducing the volatility of the price. I mean, less people are selling because they're validators. And you know, validators usually hold a lot of uh, Ethereum. Yeah, because remember at one time I was, I wanted to know what it takes to be a validator. And then I saw you have to have 32 ETH and above. So yeah, and it is not little money at this moment. Yeah. And uh, I mean, 32 ETH at this moment, how much is that? About, about 60,000. $60,000. Yeah, yeah. My, my dream was shattered when I was <laughs> 32 ETH. So maybe I yeah. move to these other smaller blockchains that are starting up, that are affordable. Yeah, I, I don't know about Cardano, but I know that uh, Cardano also uses proof of stake. Uh, we were in uh, a Twitter space, I believe, uh, on Monday. Uh, that would be yesterday when we're recording this. Uh, and uh, we, the Cardano guys were talking about them being the first blockchain to actually use proof of stake. So maybe we could take a look at how much it, uh, how much you would need to <laughs> to be a validator in uh, in Cardano. Cardano. <laughs> yeah, because I'm yeah. not yet a whale. So yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and check it out and find out. Yeah, the, the audience could also try and check out Cardano or if you are wealthy enough, you can try your hands on it and experience the consensus mechanisms uh, proof of stake. So so you've touched on the cons and the pros, or there are some other uh, probably stuff that you've left out. Uh, I think for the two, that's uh, that's the main benefits, I'd say, because mm -hmm. uh, security for POW or proof of work mm -hmm. and uh, energy efficiency and the scalability potential for uh, proof of stake. Yeah. So it kind of touch, touches on the trilemma of blockchain. Exactly. So, well, yeah, the trilemma of blockchain is uh, scalability, decentralization, and security. So POS kind of enhances scalability, and POW enhances uh, security, decentralization, and security. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Ibra, what, what, what's your take on, on, on uh, a person who really doesn't understand consensus mechanism and how it's relating to the blockchain, the blockchains? So, uh, on this particular issue, I'm going to bring it back to the real world. Uh, I think uh, we've seen a lot of people get scammed by people, by people claiming that they're going to do uh, Bitcoin mining with their money and, uh, and then uh, give them some ridiculous amounts of money. So 
understanding uh, that how mining works is the first step of uh, actually being a miner or even actually uh, stopping yourself from being scammed in such a such a way uh, so it's uh, very important if you're going to be in the blockchain space or in the tech space to understand consensus mechanisms and how they work so that you know how mining is done for the cryptocurrency for the specific uh, blockchains and uh, yeah i think that's uh, that's majorly what uh, my take is mm -hmm. yeah and just also my, my, my closing thoughts on these uh, these mechanisms for achieving consensus are vital to the functions of distributed systems so you know many people believe that the greatest innovation in bitcoin was the use of proof of work to enable users to agree on a shared set of facts. So these consensus algorithms today underpin not only digital money systems, but blockchains allowing developers to run code across a distribu distributed network. So these, these are now a cornerstone of blockchain tech and are critical to the long-term viability of various networks in existence. So of all these consensus algorithms, proof of work still remains the, the dominant offering. An alternative that's more reliable and secure has yet to be proposed. And uh, yeah, there's so much amount of research and development into replacements of proof of work. And just like uh, Ibra said, uh, Proof of work uh, is uh, very efficient in, in ensuring security, whereas proof of stake ensures a lot of scalability and it's very energy efficient, though pocket intensive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, um, you you mentioned in the beginning of the of the discussion that you do a lot of refi work and and you have should i call it a startup uh, more like a social project oh yeah so please share with the audience uh, your social media handles as well as your social project handles uh, i'll still drop them in the episode description notes but you can just share with us so you can find me on LinkedIn uh, as Ibrahim Aziz. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all other social medias as Ibraziz21, I-B-R-A-Z-I-Z-21. Uh, for the Aquapage project, uh, all our handles are the same, Aquapage Web3. Aquapage Web3, that's it. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop all of them in the description. Yeah, it's been a wonderful uh, discussion with you. And uh, this doesn't stop here. I guess next time I'll, 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 I'll converse with you about refi and uh, other kinds of uh, many topics in the world of blockchain. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful discussion and goodbye from my side and hope to see you today on to the next episode. Cheers, man. Uh, thank you for hosting me on your podcast.
Yeah, and uh, oh, I forgot to use the famous phrase I usually use. None of this is uh, financial advice, and uh, it's based on our opinions. So that's why you need to do your own research, as the name of the podcast suggests. So do your own research and see you in the next episode.